Everybody, all right. Are we all together? All together. All together now. One Tony Blau. Everybody there? Yep. 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 Okay. All right, and we are rolling. We are rolling. Okay, thanks, David. Uh, three, two, one. I'll do a fake countdown again. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the TMG podcast. This is Rank Man Chris Dufresne coming from uh, beautiful Revelation Recordings in downtown. Well, it's not downtown Chino, but you, Chino. you can throw a rock and hit downtown Chino from here. Uh, but uh, we are very happy to be at uh, Re- Revelation Recordings. You can hook up with them on Twitter at RevRecChino, we just mentioned that, and uh, email contact.revelationrecordings at gmail.com. And, of course, we don't want to forget our our other longtime sponsor, Games, apbagames.com, the unchallenged king of quality sports strategy games. And we're thankful for their uh, friendship and sponsorship. And now we will... We are joined by the regular crew, Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, Mark Blouchin, Mr. Jersey, whatever he is, Jersey Shore, and Mr. Chicago, Herb Gould. We're all here, and we'll start it off the way we do each week with what have we learned, and we always go to Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Um, what did you learn this weekend? And I know, well, I know we learned that 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 your Georgia Bulldogs uh, weren't quite ready for <laughs> for South Carolina, but why don't you tell us what you learned? Well, they, yeah, they missed their wake-up call. <laughs> they, had, they, had, they, had, they had a noon game against South Carolina, who was fighting for their lives. And quite honestly, South Carolina deserved to win the game. They played better, had yeah. a better scheme. Uh, but two words, two uh, numbers out of that game, out of that Georgia-South Carolina game, uh, the number was four. That's how many turnovers Georgia had. Jake Fromm had zero interceptions when the game started. He had three when the game ended, and one was a pick six. So yeah. that's one number. The other number is 51. That's how many times Jake Fromm threw the ball in that game. Too many. And that's way, way, way too many. So I think we learned that. And the other thing we learned is uh, LSU is really, really good. They may be the best team in the country. And, oh, by the way, they're getting better. Yeah, um, Tony, the uh, uh, the Georgia game here, and here's the thing about this, about the SEC. And at one point in this season, we will say that loss is going to cost them. Okay, but but uh, we talked about it last week with Auburn losing. Auburn still controls its own destiny. Georgia losing, even though I mean that was a bad loss. I mean I think they, they were twenty five yep. point favorites against a at home. Uh, that's a bad loss. Yet, yeah, they control their own destiny. I right, but yeah, Georgia only lost, really lost two things on Saturday. They, if they win the rest of their games, they'll go to the SEC championship game where they have a chance to. If they win that, they'll get to the playoffs. What Georgia lost on Saturday were two things. Number one, they lost their margin of error. Okay, everybody gets one. Uh, but you don't get another one. Georgia can't lose again. they got to be perfect the rest of the way. The other thing they lost was, guys, remember we talked about the various playoff scenarios and a situation where maybe Georgia gets to the SEC championship game at 12-0, and Alabama or LSU gets there at 12-0, and and the loser, if you lose closely, mm-hmm. might have a chance to get in the playoff as a second team. 
that's gone for Georgia. That scenario doesn't exist anymore. Now it's LSU's possibility, okay? Or, or Al- the loser of the SEC, of the LSU Alabama right. game now has a, a possibility of being the second team in. So that's where Georgia lost. But they still, if they can win the rest of their games. Oh, by the way, this is this is Georgia's schedule the rest of the way. After they play Kentucky, they get a week off and they finish with Florida. Auburn, Missouri, who's only got one loss, uh, Texas A&M, and Georgia Tech—five straight games to finish the season. Right. Um, yeah, I think the, the I think the scenario the, the LSU Alabama loser is is the much stronger hold, and I think it was all along. Lose even if you're undefeated and you lose the SEC title game, that's a lot riskier proposition. Depending on the score, you know, because usually your last loss. If you lose on the last day of the season, uh, that, that's not a momentum builder. But yeah, it's still certainly possible. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and getting back to what what can kill an SEC team, it, they they can go longer into the season controlling their destiny more than anyone else. And and Tony, you might say that for it's it's the case for for uh, Florida also, right? I mean, oh, Florida I, lost absolutely. Wales. They still control their own destiny. Yeah. They absolutely do. They barely move. Absolutely moved. do. They're, 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 you know, their only losses on the road at LSU and an incredible atmosphere. And Florida, in the third quarter, Florida's leading that game. Yeah. Okay, so I, I thought, you know, there are no more victories. So I thought that was a quality loss for Florida. They showed what they can do, and won't be more surprised me at all if Florida, Florida is favored to beat Georgia when we go to Jacksonville in a couple of weeks. Wow. Well. I had a hard time. I there there was not a lot to uh, drop Florida this week, and they, in fact they didn't because there was really nowhere to to drop them. You can you could uh, knock Georgia down a little bit because of the that type of loss it was, but it, it was hard to it was hard to drop Florida very far, and they stayed in the top ten. All right, uh, Jersey guy, what what did you learn this weekend, and why? Well, first well, part. I, first. I learned, and more and more, it's it's become apparent every every week is that the SEC is playing like the Big 12 on, on offense, and the Big 12 is playing like the SEC on defense. I was watching Florida, you know, Florida LSU expecting, you know, tight defense, and maybe a 24-17 type game. And I don't see that. Then I turn on, then I turn on Oklahoma and, and Texas, and, it, and it's like 10-7, and it's Saxon. I said, what's going on here? What's going Tony, what, Mr. SEC, what's going on? <laughs> well, well, first of all, Oklahoma went out and tapped Ohio State. Uh, Alex the Grinch, who stole Chris Mack uh, the, as their uh, offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. And so now, all of a sudden, you know, Oklahoma, the Oklahomas of the world don't need a great defense. If they just have an okay defense, they, they can get a couple extra stops a game, they're going to win. And I didn't get to see a ton of that game on Saturday, but it, what I what I did see is uh, their, the Oklahoma defense has improved because they've been god they've been god awful the last two years. Uh, oh. So that, that 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 I think that our friends in the Big Twelve said, you know what, we got to play some defense. We don't have to be great, but we have to play some. Well, there's some weird stuff going on out there because uh, Oklahoma and Oregon. <laughs> Two schools that have not really been known for defense are are playing great defense, and uh, and the, the the weird stat of the week for me is 
Oregon has given up 52 points this season, and 27 of them were against Auburn. Uh, uh, they've given up. Uh, Alabama has given up twice as many points as Oregon. Now I know a lot of those games were, uh, you know, blowouts and and late scores for their teams. But but if you would have told me that was possible three years ago, I would have said. You're nuts. Um, we can get into that a little bit uh, after we get to Herb. Let's get to Herb Gould uh, sitting in a, a hotbed uh, a Big Ten country. Still three Big Ten teams sitting right there, top 10, undefeated. Uh, Herb, what did you learn this last weekend? Well, you know, I, I think confirmed uh, that Penn State, I kind of had a hunch that Penn State was going to be just a little bit better than maybe we thought along the way, and they are. I don't know that we're still not putting them in the Ohio State class, uh, but Penn State is pretty good. Ohio State is definitely the the flagship program in in Big Ten country. And, uh, you know, my Badgers, Wisconsin, they're sort of the throwback team. I mean, I, I think what you guys were saying is really true. I mean, SEC teams, especially Ed Ogeron, have learned that, you know what, a little offense goes a long way, and Oklahoma, a little defense. But the Badgers are kind of the throwback. You know, they they play great defense, and they have a running back who can really pound the ball. Uh, you know, these are going to be really fun games uh, when when Wisconsin goes to Ohio State in a couple of weeks, and then um, Penn State's going to go to Ohio State in early November. You know, those three – you know, you, you got to give Ohio State the edge, uh, and maybe Wisconsin. You know, maybe it's one, two, three, Penn State three. Yeah. But boy, that's that's a close bunch there. And uh, you know, meanwhile, the heat continues to turn up in the Great Lakes state. I mean, Harbaugh built a big lead at Illinois, and then let Illinois back in, and it was only up three in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Michigan State. You know, D'Antonio snapping at a reporter who said. Uh, what do you think about not changing your offensive staff very much? <laughs> uh, I said, well, that's a dumbass question. You know, well, it isn't a dumbass question. I mean, Michigan and Michigan State are really not happy. They're not happy valleys. And and don't forget the uh, Minnesota Gophers uh, undefeated, uh, and we don't know how or why. I guess it's, I guess I, it's the schedule. You know, I always do forget the Gophers. I don't know why because they they really are. You know, everything is just sort of come together for them. Nebraska was a little banged up over the weekend, so I don't, you know, I don't attach any more importance to that than, you know, the the, the hype about Nebraska. Um, but yeah, they're right there, and they've got Rutgers and Maryland the next couple of weeks. They, oh, they could well be eight and zero. They they could be eight and zero against Penn State, uh, and that'll be it at Minnesota. So yeah, yeah the Gophers, you know, the the whole world's in front of them. Um, a physical team, you know, and they do think, you know, PJ's got them playing, you know, on an emotional high, and everything's breaking right for them. I mean, people forget they were trailing in the fourth quarter of all three of their non-conference games and yeah. uh, somehow pulled those out, and they don't have any notable wins, but, but you know, 6-0, 6-0. It is. Uh, let's, let's, uh, it's all good stuff. I'm trying to think about what I learned, uh, and I think it gets back to, what I learned was, uh, and this is shocking to me, that the Pac-12 is suddenly playing defense like uh, you know, like the SEC preached ten years ago. Uh, you look at uh, the top defenses in the country. Utah is the top ten. 
Uh, Oregon is top 10. Cal is very good. Washington is very good. And Tony, uh, I kind of want to swing back to you and we can open it up to the round table, but I'll never forget in 2011, the great LSU Alabama game. And we left that stadium and it was a nine, six overtime. And I remember getting ripped because I said, well, this wasn't a very good game because SEC, (laughs) SEC people said, well, that's just what we do down here. We play defense. We tackle. We're all about defense. And you look at last weekend, Alabama's now given up 28 points in a game, and it's fine. I mean, they win by 19. Uh, LSU and Florida I, I thought was a, just a terrific college football game, 42-28. to 28. Tony, what's going on down there? And have the rules changed about what is what is good football? Well, to quote uh, Blau's friend, Barbara Hedges, <laughs> former athletic director at Washington, that was then, this is now. This is now. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's not really complicated. It changed, I'm telling you guys, it changed when Nick Saban decided, when they, when they created the rule that says Lyman could go three and a half yard downfield, that spawned the RPO, the run-pass option. Okay. Right? When the run-pass option was created, that was a huge advantage for the offense over the defense because you could fake a run, make it look like a run. The lineman could go down feel like a run for three and a half yards, and then you could stop and throw the ball. That was a tremendous advantage for the offense. All right, so Nick Saban finally made up his mind. You know what? The heck with it. He fought it, he fought it, he fought it, he fought it. And finally, he said, you know what? If this is what it's going to be, then I'm going to do it better than all you sons of guns, okay? And so he, he hires Lane Kiffin. They go out and hire the fastest, best wide receivers they can find. They go out and find a guy like Tua Tungvaloa from Hawaii, and away we go. And, and everybody underheld him. LSU was the last holdout. When Ed Orgeron got beat 29 to nothing by Alabama, and his defense played damn well <laughs> to only give up 29, but he had zero, he said, we got to do something. So that's The rules favor the offense. The rules created the RPO, and that's why we have what we have now. Right. Now, this is the same Nick Saban that one of these rules, he thought he thought the game was too dangerous with the, when Oregon was doing it. Uh, the tempo and all the uh, high-scoring West Coast stuff. He 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 publicly said that this was dangerous for the. Is, is it still dangerous? He's is just this, doing. It? Is this what we want football to be? That right. Was his quote. And it is right. Yes. <laughs> now, now that now that we've got the rules, yes, this is what we want football to be. Right. Well, the, the issue is think about the other night, guys. The other day, Georgia. Ran like almost ninety plays in that game with South Carolina, yeah, and still got beat. Uh, that that is how the game has, has changed. The up tempo stuff, uh, and and you're going to give up a lot more points if you're on if you're a defense. You're on the field for a lot more points, right? So once again, the uh, SEC is ahead of the curve, and now the Pac-12 is going back to defense, and Oklahoma's playing defense. And uh, you know it's it's everything is upside down and back. It's like Alice in Wonderland. Jersey guy, do you have a? I think everything Tony said was uh, was right on. When when Nick deci- Saban decided uh, he, the game was going to change, it changed, and everyone else had to follow. 
Yeah, and then a perfect example of that is uh, LSU has been criticized correctly for, for you know not coming up with being too conservative maybe on offense uh, in big games and like that. But that's changed this year with with Ed Allen and the offense coordinator there, and they're attacking they're attacking the whole game no matter what situation. Tony pointed out uh, you know on, on Saturday they they're not afraid of anything. They they'll go after you. Uh, to the last minute to try and get points. That's the philosophy. So it, it works. Uh, Herb Gould, I mean, wh- Bo, Bo and Woody must be rolling over in their grave because <laughs> this disease has infiltrated everywhere. And Ohio State started, as soon as Ohio State went to spread a few years ago, they dynamically changed uh, their philosophy. And Michigan is trying to do it not very well, but Michigan's gone to a you know, spread offense, and it's not working as well, but they've committed to it. Um, what is, I mean, what happened to the black and blue, uh, you know, uh, 10-year war type of mentality? And will it ever cycle back, do you think? Well, it, it hasn't changed at Iowa. You know, I keep wondering, you know, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Iowa here's, here's, the, here's the strange part, guys, about Iowa is they are offensively challenged. Their offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz, is the son of the head coach. Yeah. Can a head coach fire his son? And what kind of no. a Christmas dinner will that make for? No. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't think so. But I, I think that the, what we're seeing is if you are an elite program and you can recruit elite players, what you do is you open up the offense because your players are better than the other side's players. And that's how you take best advantage of it. You know, when Bo and Woody were doing it, you could just pack it in with big, strong fellas. And especially in the Midwest, where the weather got crummy in the second half of the season, they didn't want to pass a ball. I remember having conversations with Eric Parsegian when I was at Notre Dame, and, and he would talk about that, and he would say, you know what, coaches want to control everything that they can control. And when you got 22 big guys rolling around with one little football, Throwing it up in the air is going to create problems. But the new coaches <laughs> accept that. You know, they, they, they accept that there's going to be some, some uh, turnovers, but they think that their skill guys are going to be better. And, and they're right. I mean, that Alabama offensive game, you know, those receivers and that quarterback, you could just take those, that group and put them on Sundays and they would gobble up people. I mean, that's just tremendous athleticism. It would be a shame not to take advantage of that receiver core. Yeah, Herb, I think you're on to something. Tony, and even going back to the that 9-6 game years ago, and I'll, this is what bothered me, used to bother me about games like that, and not just in the SEC, in the Big Ten it happened, is that the coaches could basically dictate the score of the game. Um, sure. If they wanted to play a 9-6 game, uh, and 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 run the ball up the middle until some something broke in the fourth quarter. That's the way that game was going to end up, and I think that's what's fundamentally changed. Like Herb said, where Bo and Woody could actually control what the score was going to be within you know within reason. Uh, and like he said, there's something the rule change. Um, uh, something happened, and there was a trigger. And it, I, I think you're correct. It was Nick Saban. Uh, there was a trigger mechanism. A lot of other things going on, spreading the field. Uh, defense is not practicing, you know, less contact now in practice, so guys right. aren't tackling as well. 
Um, and it's all led to this craziness, which I think is entertaining, but it's, 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 it's radically changed. This is, this is the kind of stuff that 10 or 20 years ago, we were calling uh whack football, right? I mean, yeah, you played like a whack team that used to be the almost uh, pejorative, uh, but now it's, it's every day it's standard. But uh, you know, if you're going to give me LSU in uh, Florida and games like that, I'll take that over nine, six, any day of the week, because that was a that was a fun game to watch. Um, moving moving on, our friend Tom Lucci, who does the college uh, wrap up for us on Sunday, uh, brought up a great question, and I and I agree with him, and I think we should should discuss this. Why is LSU not number one in the country in the major polls, including the NFF poll, which I think three of us vote on? the National Football Foundation poll. If you were looking at school at performance in a vacuum, uh, why is LSU not number one? Tony, we'll start with you. Because they're not Alabama. Well, well okay. Oh. <laughs> 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 well, that's, like, that's like, why does Notre Dame get so much credit? Because they're Notre Dame. Uh, listen, Guys, we know what we know what to do. Alabama's number one because Alabama's been scoring a lot of points, and nobody's going to move Alabama out of number one as long as they're scoring all these points. There's no doubt that based on the resume to date, LSU should be number one. But Alabama's number one because they're Alabama. That's the honest answer. Well, this is but this is what everyone says is is wrong about polls, and I postulated this, Mark uh, Blauchin. Uh, Tony, I know you did you did the mock selection uh, committee thing. Did you do that? I did. Yeah, I did. and I and first, I did first year. Yeah, I did it when I was at the LA Times. Uh, in fact, I I sat in Pat Pat Hayden's chair down there, which was very uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, we we <laughs> going through that process, Tony, and I'll I'll let Mark answer this. Uh, Going through that process, I think if the c- committee standings came out, not the coaches poll or the AP poll, but if the committee rankings came out today, that LSU would be number one in the, in the committee poll. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what do you think about that? Well, I, I agree 100%, and I'm not sure if, if Alabama would even be number two. I think Ohio State might be number two. Uh, uh, but that, that's, that's, that's a different issue. But in terms of uh, Alabama and LSU, I mean, how can you not put LSU number one? I mean, the two quality wins. Alabama has no quality wins. They're scoring the same amount of points. Uh, I, 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 I'm like, I know it. They're Alabama. I understand that, but it's a weekly poll, guy. I mean, guys. So, so at this point in time, LSU looks like a better team than me. I mean, it's, it should be pretty clear. Yet, yet Clemson uh, fell from number one. I mean, they had, obviously they had a close loss, but. Um, there's, I think their schedule strength is because you know Alabama is going to play people, and you might say Texas A&M was a quality opponent, although uh, you know uh, they're no longer ranked. But uh, but people dropped Clemson after that uh, well, sure, close call. They almost lost to North Carolina. They, they could, they really should have lost. Right. right. You know, they run that ball. Right. But Alabama hasn't opened that door with you know with a close win. Uh, you know, I don't get as, as bothered by it because it's going to get it's going to sort itself out in a few weeks um also you know I, I remember once talking to this was in basketball but it's kind of the same deal 
I mean, with Bruce Weber when he was at Illinois, well, what is the importance of the top 25? You know, it, it, part of it is that the television programs show the highlights of the top 25. You know, and whether you're one or two, I mean, you, you make good points. LSU, based on what they've done, should be number one. But Alabama, because of their reputation and because they started out number one, you know, everybody says these things about don't start the polls yet which is one of the good things about the, the official uh, committee vote is that, you know, they don't start it until they've got a body of work. And I, I, I think you're exactly right. If they, if they did their first committee uh, ranking this week, LSU would be number one and deservedly so. And I like the Ohio State being number two. Yeah. And, it, and, it did- and particularly in the coaches and the coaches in the media polls, you know, there, there are two, there are two ways to evaluate a team. One is who have you played and who have you beat. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is looking at the teams and say, well, if this team played that team on a neutral field, I think that team would win. So I'm voting for that team. Yeah. So I, I think my my belief is that the committee should base most of its its deliberations on who you play and who you beat. Yeah. We know that doesn't all. We know that doesn't always happen. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't matter that LSU could go to to Alabama next month and lose a ninth straight game. And this is part of the hit. You can't erase the history of this, the recent history of this series. But it, that shouldn't matter. If, even if LSU goes to Alabama and, and lose, I'm, we're talking about right now what we've seen right now. Uh, and I, you know, I agree with Herb on you know, polls are meaningless. But if you're going to do them. You know why not? You know why not try to to you know accurately reflect uh, what is happening now. But uh, it just like you said, there is the, the there is an Alabama. Alabama has a factor uh, that doesn't even compare to the Cle- you know as, as far outweighs the Clemson factor. Um, and I've got tweets from well, Alabama was number one coming into the season. Blah, blah, blah. I said no, they were. They were coming off a butt whooping by Clemson in the national title. <laughs> they didn't have. They weren't carrying anything into this season other than being Alabama, having returning re- returning starters, and the knowledge we all had that they were a very good team. But they even have, like you said, there's a Notre Dame factor with Alabama that even I think still, um, you know, tops what Clemson has. I mean, people are seem more likely to to want to dump Clemson than they would Alabama. But that that you know that's just the world we live. The timing of this is all going to be really, really interesting because the first set of rankings come out on Tuesday, November fifth. <laughs> yeah, what on, happened on what? Saturday? <laughs> on Saturday, November ninth. Yeah, Alabama is going to host LSU. So yeah. even if LSU is number, if LSU is number one or LSU is number two in the first rankings, guess what? Those teams are going to play and get a chance to decide it on the field. Right. And like you say, you you can all say it's it's moot and all that, but you know, if, I say if you're going to have a poll, then then we can talk about it. And even though if it doesn't mean anything, then uh, you can still you can still question the, the thought process here. And remember, this is how it was for a hundred years. And you you can look well, back well, and say and we, the, well, the other part of it is you know I, I used to get that I was an AP voter for for a few years, and you know everybody and when I did make a change like that or, or didn't, people would say. Well, how can you move them down if they won and, and it was, you know, a, a decent win? You know, that I guess that's the other part is, you know, you just say, well, 
I screwed up when I made it out in August. You know, it's hard to move people down when they win. You know, you're talking about move people up when they win, but if you move them up, you got to move somebody down. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't vote in the AP poll for a lot of good reasons, but I am now voting in the NFF poll, which is interesting, uh, and it, it is, you know, trying to get it right. And I try, I do try. It's like you look at the bottom of the top ten. Well, where do you drop? Where do you put Florida, uh, Auburn, and Oregon? Well, okay, I just, you, to me, they all have one loss. Uh, and uh, Florida beat Auburn, and Auburn beat Oregon. So that's the way I put it, right? But you do have to, you do have to c- catch yourself. Uh, and my rule is, once you lose two, uh, you have no argument against the team you might you might have lost to. But as long as if, if everything else is being even, then I do try to look at well, they those teams played, and one beat the other, and they both have one loss. Um, it gets trickier with like a Georgia where, where you suffer a really bad loss to a team you should have beaten but uh but you know it, it's not that hard to to just go down your ballot and say well what you know what's the reality here and i don't obviously a lot of people don't do that and that's why you get kind of these these screwy outcomes um let's let's move on and then we'll get in uh look into uh, this weekend's games uh i thought we'd do something here and we'll again we'll start with tony i know you haven't had time to think about this but uh moment of the half year what do you what's what's the biggest story or moment you think of the first mm. half of the season um and we we can come back to you this is you know this, this could be a game I, show know, I, frankly off the top of my head i think it's i think it's georgia getting getting beat last weekend <laughs> yeah, by, fresh. by uh, georgia at home a 24 and a half point uh favorite losing to a south carolina team that was 2 and 3 and all of a sudden, Georgia, a team that a lot of people have picked to definitely go to the playoffs and maybe win the national championship, is now looking a little on the vulnerable side. So to, to me, that's the that's the biggest moment yeah. thus far in the half season. That's a fresh wound, as we call it. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, Mark Blauchin, uh not oh. – yeah, no, what, what are you thinking? Well, Rutgers? I, 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 it's, it's, it's that's, that's never that's never a big moment. That's always uh, that's always you can always go to that. I I think in a strange way I think it's Ohio State because I think everyone on Ohio State with what with Urban uh, Meyer going and, and 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 Ryan Day taking over at the bottom tier of the top tier of the Big Ten. I think I think Michigan was still getting some love. Uh, uh, obviously, obviously Penn State was get, getting there. Um, uh, you know and. and and Nebraska was also getting mentioned, and 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 uh, Wisconsin was getting the thing. But but Penn, the way was Ohio State has won, and the way, and the manner they've done it, uh, they've been overpowering. I think that's surprising the most is that how dominant they've been. Not, not that they're good, but they've been overpowering people, and I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that's a good one, uh, Herb. Mm-hmm. You've had time to mull and. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I, I agree with Tony. You know, I mean, if you're talking about a single game, South Carolina beating Georgia certainly is, is tough to, to match. Uh, you know, the thing I'm, I'm thinking about, we just spent a lot of time talking about how this is an offensive era, and that just underscores the fact that Wisconsin has mm. shut out four of its first six opponents, and that mm. does not include a first-half shutout of Michigan. You know, so really four and a half 
I mean, wow. that that is really pretty amazing. They've outscored their opponents 152 to three in the first half. They are the first defense to post four shutouts in their first six games since Oklahoma in 1967, when uh, you know Blau was. In kindergarten, for goodness sakes, um, you know that that, that, def- oh, that okay. defense, that defensive performance, that's pretty good stuff in my mind, and and it'll be real interesting to see how that defense matches up with Ohio State, which is doing all these offensive things we've been talking about. Yeah, they um, have behind one minute this year. I think is that right? They have, I don't think they've been behind ever in the entire season. No, no, they have not because they haven't, you know, they, they really, I mean, like I said, they four and a half of their games were shutouts. You know, they gave, uh, the only team that scored, I think, in the first half was... Uh, North, Northwestern, probably, maybe. Yeah. And that was well, actually, that was so, actually yeah. a close game. That was their closest game. Um, it but, was. But uh, uh, I, will, I will note that uh, that Bob Gibson had 13 shutouts for the... St. Louis Cardinals in 1968 on a uh, on a, a high mound though they lowered the mound the next year as we noted <laughs> in '69. But that's the shut that's the most impressive shutout mark. We mentioned Alabama's uh, six shutouts I think in 1961. Um, but uh, Herbie uh, sh- shutout number five it might be sitting right on the doorstep aren't they because they're, they're at illinois although they illinois scored on michigan that could you know that was, that's almost as good as playing rutgers almost yeah maybe it's got some more shutout candidates there's no question about that um yeah they got illinois and uh the way they're playing i mean it, it's really uh you know any anybody's a shutout candidate for them so, <laughs> um yeah they're they're Locking it down. I got I got a couple candidates. Uh, one one will I think, and I'm going to write about this in Pack Tracks. The the transformation of Oregon football I think is a surprise. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, they've given up 16 points in conference in three games, and this was a a a, a program that was, and we all saw it. Uh, the question with Oregon is circa 2010 15 was could their offense outscore their defense? Um, there's a, 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 a couple years ago where Oregon gave up 52 points in two games. I, I mean, in against two opponents and 51 against another. That was only uh, three years ago. Uh, but they've kind of gone to a, an SEC model where they're almost protecting Justin Herbert, not letting him loose. He's a, he's a first-round potential pick in the NFL but kind of, kind of keeping them close to vests. Don't want to get them hurt. Play defense, um, and that's that's a sort of a dramatic term, turn for a school that has sold everything in the last twenty years on sizzle, you know, uniforms. Uh, you want to go here, play there because uh, the way Oregon plays. Well, they're playing a different way now, which is uh, sort of a surprise. And I'll throw another one in, and I'll let Blau do the follow up since he's intimately close to these situations. The rise of former Southwestern Conference bandit programs. Yep. <laughs> SMU and Baylor, and what is the date today? Is it the 15th, uh, something like that, are undefeated. 
Mark Blauchin. You tried to kill these programs. You you were in Dallas when I did kill a program. Right, you were in Dallas when SMU went on the death penalty in 1987, 87, yep. I think it was, um, and they people said they would never recover. Uh, SMU is now six and zero for the first time since 1982. We all know that Correct. was Pony Express, uh, the tip of the iceberg of scandal and scum that would come out of that program. Uh, Baylor is undefeated. Baylor is, is only three or four years removed from a horrible scandal. And I don't think we, a lot of us thought they would rec- recover from what ha- was going on on campus. So Mark Blauchin, you were there, you worked in Dallas. Uh, you've been to these, you know, explain and, oh, and is the, What's going on in NCA headquarters? Do you think? Do you think they've up there? They opened up the uh, the file on these two programs uh, again. Well, I, 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 they, I think they're they're paying attention to it because you know. <laughs> uh, I, I think. Uh, sure, when Blunt's still I, I, alive. I remember, I remember when 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 SNU was going for the for the first going down in '87, and I, I became real close to David Burst, who was the head of the NCAA yeah. investigation committee. And and he, I mean he was he was he was a very corporate guy, but if you got to know him, he kind of opened up a little bit. Once one time I was talking about Jerry Tarkanian, who was uh, obviously an NCAA gadfly for many years, and and they were talking about how coaches moved around from school to school, and what the NCAA followed him from business schools, and so so David David heard the question, and, he, and I said to him, "What about that?" And he says, "Well, we would recognize the name." I think the NCAA recognizes SMU for what it was, and let's put it this way: it is a whole new generation. But I, but I, I have visions that that uh, Sherwood Blunt III is, is and it was one of the big boosters at SMU. Uh, there's money flowing into the SMU program right now because those people in Dallas they still want to win, they still want to beat Texas, they still want to be big boys. And so if SMU is six and zero, and Baylor is six and zero. Both of those programs they, they, they had the taste of it, and they, even though they if I'm not sure right now, I, th- I think it's starting to build in them. So that could be an interesting development as, as we go over yeah. the next it, weeks. Is Sherwood Blunt still alive? The, I don't I, know. He probably is. He wasn't that old, but but he was he was he was a character. There was a lot of characters down there, um, and it was it was the Wild West. It was truly the Wild West, and and, and watching the interview program go down in person. I mean, that was just stunning everybody. Uh, what they basically had, we said we have to cut off the head. To, to stop the treating because it was, it was it couldn't do it. They just yeah. couldn't do it. Um, and uh, the the problem with SMU and Baylor uh, getting good again is it, this does not go well over well in Austin and in College Station. <laughs> the other programs in Texas mm-hmm. will rise up, and that's what happens, right? In these these scandals, um, it was. Uh, uh, you know, it's the other schools that turn the that turn that turn the other schools in, right? I mean, Texas oh, uh, had, had a huge yeah, hand Dallas, behind. Texas, Dallas, Texas was was. I mean, I don't talk about the heart of college football. In Dallas, Texas, you had you had alumni from every SWC school, and those boys would get together every Friday at lunch, and they would be, and they would have these contests, bragging about who could do what, who who could do, and they they, they was a badge of honor and how how much you could get away with and how much you could win. I mean that's and, and that's that's how they. I mean, it was for the governor of the state of Texas was <laughs> putting people in. It's a, it was a governor Clements. Yeah, that's right. Clements. That's yeah, right. No it, doubt. And Tony, well, uh, and Tony, we know this. Back then, I mean, investigative journalism was was big at newspapers, and Danny Robbins was the king of 
kind of breaking all these scandals. It, did he work at the AJC for a while too? I know he worked at the LA Times and the Dallas Papers. I don't know he, if he was ever down he, your he way. Might have. He, he didn't work from the time I was there from yeah. '84 to 2008. I, I worked with him in time. Albuquerque. Yeah, did you? <laughs> But the, and, the, yeah, he was my he was my buddy in Albuquerque. But the worst the great, the great thing about he was just the great thing. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. No, I just said the great thing about uh, what was going on back then. You had Danny Robbins, you had Skip Bayless, you had who Mark, who was the TV guy, Dale. Oh, he's still uh, there, Hanson. Dale Hanson. Dale Hanson. Dale was all over when you saw the documentary. Yeah, of the SMU football program. It was great. I mean, they were there, and you had a newspaper war in Dallas. Oh yeah, ain't, there ain't nothing better than a newspaper <laughs> war when there's a breaking story. And I used to always say the worst thing that can happen to you as a program is if Danny Robbins takes a job at your local newspaper. Now Danny worked a lot of play. He worked at the LA Times. I never, I don't think I met him while he was there because he was always out in the field. But that was your worst nightmare. And do not forget where Danny Robbins went to, to college. He was a Texas Longhorn. Is, am, I, am I correct? Uh, I think. Yes, you are correct. He was a Texas Longhorn. So you have all these kind of uh, tentacles that, came, that, that shade and cloud every, every aspect of, uh, of what was going on. And, uh, uh, but uh, so I'm, sure, I'm sure the... Uh, the, the eyebrows raised at the NCAA offices was somebody said, "Did you realize that SMU is six and zero? Baylor is is undefeated. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. All right, I think we're going. Go ahead. Make it quick. The meetings and it was funny watching all those coaches go by. So Ray Alborn was coaching Rice, and Rice was always the bottom feeder, and everything. They still are. Sure. So one time at a meeting, I asked Ray, "How come?" How come Rice didn't shoot like all the other schools did in the SWC? And he looks me straight in the eye without blinking, and he says, we do. I said, really? He goes, yes. Yeah. Well, like everything else we do at Rice, we're no good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was right. And that was the SWC. Right. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you go to those meetings, and Fred Akers and Jackie Shell would, would just look at each other and then smile at each other, yeah. and then, you know, and then you have to do other stuff, and SMU was there. It was amazing. That's like when my yeah. when my school, uh, Cal State Fullerton, would go on pro- probation for basketball. I'm going, what? I mean, they they they, they went, they, they you know, they lost thirty games. If you're going to cheat, at least you, you better find some good players, get something out of it. But it's uh, it's crazy. Let's uh, let's wrap up, look and move and uh, look at some games this weekend. Uh, I'd say it a, a medium good weekend. Uh, Tony, what are you looking at in the SEC? Is there, there's not a, not a huge game unless I miss something. There, there is, a, there is. A, I mean, the tradition you got Tennessee to Alabama, which how big a blowout will it be? Uh, you yeah. got Florida going to South Carolina. Yeah, after having gone having gone to uh, Baton Rouge last week, and South Carolina coming off that big win, that's you know that's got a chance to be competitive for a little while, but uh, no, nothing uh, nothing real big. Uh, this week we'll see. We'll see if Arkansas can win a conference game. Arkansas, God bless them, has <laughs> lost eighteen of their last nineteen SEC games. Um, amazing. And Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Still, uh, has not won an SEC title. They joined the conference in '92 uh, or '93, something like that. '92. That is correct. No, they they, they have been. They have been to the SEC championship game twice. 
Yeah. One 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 under Danny Ford, one under Houston Nutt. Yeah, I was at one of them. This I think the second one. Uh, and I, I will ask you briefly about uh, your Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I think you know if there's not a hangover, there's either going to be a hangover after that loss, or Kentucky's in for a <laughs> a long day, which is probably my guess. Kentucky's quarterback is their best wide receiver. They they <laughs> they moved into they moved into quarterback because he's the best athlete on the team, which was good enough for them to beat Woeful Arkansas yeah. twenty four to twenty in a game they trailed most of the night. Yeah, uh, I think I think Georgia has had its wake up call, and as the old coach said, somebody's got to pay. Yeah, you don't want to be Kentucky this week. All right, uh, a Jersey guy, what are you looking at on the Eastern Seaboard? I don't. I don't see a lot either. On uh, there's one. There's one game that's, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and then how it might be in trouble in terms of getting a recognition. It's Clemson. Clemson is coming out of hibernation. I think I, yeah. I looked it up last year. They had yeah. the same problem. They barely beat Syracuse, and everyone was 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 uh, question how good they were. And, and now they, they again barely beat North Carolina State. And everyone's same thing. They're falling out. But I. I did some I did some number checking after they lost after they beat Syracuse seventeen fourteen, and everyone's questioning him. Clemson won its next five games by a score of two hundred and forty to thirty six. Yeah. <laughs> destroyed people. Well, they 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 took apart Florida State on Saturday forty nine to seven after everyone said about the North Carolina game. I think watch what happens when they play at Louisville. Louisville, you know, won a wild game against Wake Forest. Louisville's playing much better. I think if, if Dab, and Dabble just, 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 you know, got to fire his kicker basically because he didn't like it, the way he was kicking. Uh, <laughs> so so I, I, I think Clemson is ready to, to, to show some teeth and they might show it against Louisville. And then we might see Clemson going on, on one of these big runs for the next several weeks because after, after Louisville, off the college comes to Clemson. And that could really be ugly. Yeah. Mm. Clemson sort of has to because guess what? Yes. Uh, and, we, and we thought this was a. Uh, Amazing stat, and I went over it with Mark Blauschen yesterday. Uh, Clemson's the only ranked team in the ACC in 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 the polls this week, which I don't remember happening to a you know to a major conference where you have one team that is uh, so dominant, um, and then nobody else. Because oh, Virginia uh, and Wake Forest kind of fell out this week, but uh, very interesting. Herb Gould, I have a question for you. You have a Friday. Uh, a, you know, a Friday night game in the Big Ten, which still does not roll off the tongue easily. Uh, I don't yeah. like it. I don't know how it goes. I don't know how that's going over. But Ohio State is playing on Friday night in your city, right at the uh, the Wildcats. Yeah, at Northwestern, and, and Pat Fitzgerald on record is saying he does not like Friday night because that should belong to the high school lads. Um, you know, that said, that you know. They, they are playing a handful of Friday night games. I would have liked to see them play a Friday night game last week because you had essentially uh, three Big Ten games last weekend uh, yeah. in the in the evening bracket, which you know would have been nice to move one of them to Friday. Uh, you know what though? That is a twenty-nine point line. Uh, <laughs> not that and, we are interested in that. Not that we're interested, but you know, I was just looking at it because Wisconsin's at Illinois, as you mentioned. Uh, and the two lines combined are just about 60 points. So <laughs> it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of competitive football in the land of Lincoln. Um, um, you know, the one game 
the one game that you know Northwestern they're going to get back off the horse. I, I think they will. I, I sort of like them to play a little more competitively than four touchdowns. Uh, but Ohio State's that good, and you know it's an open question. Yeah. Uh, Michigan at Penn State is is by far the you know the marquee game of the weekend uh, Saturday night game in uh, Happy Valley. Uh, you know, I mean, every game is a must-win for Michigan at this point. You know, they might be the the most unloved five-and-one team <laughs> in America. <laughs> and and you know, they they just you know, I mean, they need just given all you know all the chatter about how it was time for them to finally win a a, a Big Ten conference. Uh, you know, they're they're looking like a real you know long shot even to finish second in the in the division, let yeah. alone the conference. Yeah, like you said, that was um, was almost a loss for them. The Illinois did not feel like a win uh, the way they the way they yeah, finished up. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they were, they weren't competitive at all at Wisconsin, and then and then uh, Harbaugh threw uh, you know fuel on the fire. We said, I like where our offense is at. <laughs> <laughs> like, what offense was he watching? Yeah. So uh, you know, that said, this is a great opportunity for them if they decide to show something that we haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I got a sleeper, a uh, sleeper uh, temple at SMU. Uh, could be an interesting yep. game. Uh, off, kind of off the board. Uh, out west, um, couple medium. To, I mean, Oregon at Washington is really the uh, the last stand, I think, for the conference because Oregon, I think, still has a sliver of a hope of a prayer of a chance. Um, uh, you know, if you're anywhere near the top ten. Uh, on October or mid-October, there's no way you can be eliminated, although it, it's still a hard path for Oregon. But this rivalry, and I'll say this, I say it every year, of all the uh, rivalry games in the Pac-12, uh, I don't care, Civil War, UCLA, USC, uh, this is the dirtiest and ugliest rivalry in the conference, and there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of it is is literally geographical, Oregon being beneath Washington on the map, and for many years on the field, uh, this is as ugly as it gets. And Oregon is at Washington, a signature moment, elimination for uh, – I mean, Washington already has two losses, but if Oregon loses a second, then it's basically over. Uh, interesting game. And then uh, uh, Arizona State at Utah. Uh, you know, Arizona State and Herm, Ember, Herm Edwards, uh, a lot of people laughed when he took that job, but – He's done a surprisingly good job with the with that program again, uh, built on defense, which is uh, amazing for this conference. I can't believe what I'm seeing, uh, and that I think is about it. David, how are we doing? Are we right about, about? Yeah, I think we're I think we're good. Um, guys, another good roundtable, interesting discussion. Anybody got final words or are we? Are we I, I was going to throw out a trivia question. We could do okay. it very quickly. All right. I was looking. This is this for Tony and Blau. The last weekend when Georgia lost and Miami won. <laughs> Georgia? Oh. oh. I don't know about that one. I, I don't know. I, I, assume I, got, I looked it up. November 11th, 2017, two rousing games. The Hurricanes beat Notre Dame 41-8. to I that and the dogs lost to Auburn 14 17. That's and a good Georgia one. Was number, Georgia was number one. Georgia was number one. Yeah. That, that was the year I Auburn. I thought it would be a lot longer ago than that. I got a, I got a trip. Uh, well, that was, that was the only game Georgia lost until the national champion
I got a trivia, Tony. When was the last time Alabama played on Friday night? That's never <laughs> and ever, forever. Amen. There you go. No. When when no, Alabama you, you, you talk about a place that believes in Friday night football, high school football. Right. They would they would never well, never do it. Hey, if okay, uh, the Sugar Bowl must have been January one must have been on the road. Well, okay, okay, all right, all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're standing a uh, right a bowl game, but I'm talking about a conscious decision. No, uh, no, 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 no. Well, I'm telling you, Tony, if the Big Ten can sell its soul. That's the last one. If Alabama plays yeah. on Friday, I know that the game's over. But I don't think oh, it's going to happen. One piece of news, guys. I got a – somebody sent me uh, – Vanderbilt's probably going to be looking for a coach. Oh, yeah. Vanderbilt loses to a bad UNLV team. Uh, my spies who were there tell me there were 10,000 or fewer fans at that game. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I, I, I know, by the way, I forgot one line I meant to throw out there. Yeah. Danny Robbins, coming <laughs> to your look. Right. We lost Tony? I think we lost him. We have to save that. Are, are, is everybody else there? I'm here. I'm here. How about we save that for Nick? <laughs> that's going to be it. All right, that's. You talk about a teaser. To be continued. <laughs> it's just like a uh, you know a soap opera. We're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. Hanger. <laughs> as the as the South turns. Okay, we're out of here. Uh, we'll we'll get the answer to that question next week. Thank you, Thank you guys. Adios. All right.